I'm Mike Zapsik of I Sell Comics and Comic Book Men on AMC TV, and you're listening to An Elegant Weapon. An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. This is a journey into sound. Cobra! gentlemen welcome to an elegant weapon episode 103 i am your host my name is jm clark they call me the jedi ross please excuse me while i fluck my back i want you to take the frankenstein shit the deer shit the green monster the bling and the bling bling and i want you to roll it all into one joint no one's ever been brave enough to try that one man is roll it Lovely, lovely indeed. Welcome back, kids. Coming at you sooner rather than later out of the ordinary. Uh, it's only been a couple days since we released part one of Motor City Comic Con 2014. I really hope you all enjoyed those chats we had, putting the spotlight on the Star Wars. Uh, Mr. Joe Caroni, Mark McKenna, and Crash of the 501st Legion, Michigan Garrison. Wonderful conversations with some wonderful people. Those guys were super rad and super awesome. Check them out in all the places they said uh, that you could check them out, and please do. And if uh, you're hearing this and didn't hear the last, please go back and check out part one of Motor City Comic Con. Don't know if I relayed quite enough what a good time I had, so let me say it again. What a good fucking time I had. One of the best cons I've ever endured. Uh, it was a 24-hour three-day marathon i love uh i love that i got uh, actually into the hotel attached to the collection place because normally i don't roll that way and this was super cool you actually get to live the con uh you know walking around the corner almost bumping head first into conan and being like conan momoa you giant beautiful bastard Anyways, it was super cool times. So what we're going to do now for an episode 103 is we're going to continue the Motor City Comic Con madness. We are going to continue it forthwith with part two of the Motor City Comic Con 2014. Uh, interviews on this episode. Long time good friend of the show. Artist Mr. Nick Francis... Francis, Nicholas Francis, the guitar playing, riff rustling, comic book illustrator, is uh, Nick Francis. He does some cool stuff. You used to be able to find him on the Twitters at nonrepo. Seriously, mother, I could get the marbles. If I could just get the marbles out of my mouth, maybe I could talk properly. And maybe seriously, if I did that, I could have been a contender too. But anyways... Nick Francis, formerly at non-repro blue on the Twitter. You can't find him any there, anymore, any there, any there, any there anymore. Bliggity, bliggity, blah, blah. Better keep this fucking doobie smoking. You have smoked yourself retarded. I'm starting to start up, motherfucker. So, uh, yeah, non-repro blue. You can't find him any there, but you can still find him on Facebook at The Art of Nick Francis. Wonderful fellow, wonderful dude. One hell of an artist. I had him do a commission for me of uh, Emperor Palpatine. Take your weapon and strike me down with all of your hate. Wipe them out. All of them. 
Uh, yeah, and it was it's really, really rad. It's really, really cool. It is, in fact, up on the photo gallery on Facebook. An elegant weapon. Go to our page. Like it. Like the photos. We had an influx of new likes the past few days that I think was due to kind words uh, from our brothers Andy and Chip over there at Superstoner. And the adventures of Superstoner.com is open, live, and available for all you productive comic book loving potheads out there who appreciate good times, good work, and good people. So go to the adventures of Superstoner.com. Check out why they were uh, given an A plus by Tommy Chong himself at the Cannabis Cup this year. I think we're parked, man. They deserve every bit of that A and every bit of that plus. Also, I would like to extend congratulations before I forget to Wayward Raven Media, Mark and the boys over there. Congratulations. Kickstarter, signed C, fully funded. In fact, stretch goals reached, I believe, which is uh, super rad. So signed C will be coming your way. That's good times indeed. Uh, back to the interviews at hand. We are going to begin with one Mr. Nick Francis. Please enjoy. All right, so here we are. It's Saturday morning. Motor City Comic Con. Here we are speaking with the one, the only Mr. Nick Francis. How are you doing? Pretty good. How are you? I'm great. This is a, this is a fun time, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty packed for only being not even 11 o'clock. Just started at 10.30. The lineup is big. It's yeah. around the building at this point. And uh, lots of fun, happy people ready for a good day. So, yesterday I came to you for a commission. Yes, sir. It's in my hands. I haven't looked at it yet. So here it is. The big reveal right here live. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. No. Holy shit. The Jedi. Holy crap. Talk about Team Motherfucking Sith right here, eh? Yeah. Dude, I'm looking at a beautiful Emperor Palpatine that uh, I'll put out there for you all to see. Nick, thanks so much. That's, oh. that's just gorgeous, dude. My pleasure. Fucking right on. Um, the Skeletor. If anybody's been following Nick uh, on the social media, they'll see that you've been working on the... Uh, not just Skeletor, yeah. but Frank Langella movie Skeletor. Where, where'd that idea come from? Um, I was... I always grew up with He-Man and all the 80s cartoons, but I really wanted to do something that was different than what everybody else was putting out. Cause the, the cartoon Skeletor was so simple as far as just drawing it. It's just basic line weights for any artists out there understand what I'm saying. Solid colors. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. know, contour lines, all that stuff. Um, I, I love that movie. I grew up with that movie. I thought the character was... A, a big departure from the cartoon where he was kind of silly, like, man, you know. <laughs> it was more serious, and I thought you. it would, I thought that picture was just a big dramatic statement, and everybody that knows anything about 80s cartoons or 80s movies would know that right off the bat. And everybody who saw it, you know, it's like, that's skeletal from the movie. Yeah, well, it's unmistakable. Insane. Yeah, it's, it's great, it's fantastic. Um, what are we on to lately? Unless you want to mention 1159 a bit, tell the people a little bit about that. Yeah, actually, uh, <clears throat> Andrew and I, the, Andrew is the, the owner, or the leader of Grey Haven Comics. Uh, we decided to put 1159 in the back burner for right now. We got a lot of uh, other stuff that we're going to start working on. I'm working on uh, You're Not Alone, Volume 2. It's kind of like an anti-bully. Uh, oh, awesome. Yeah, and they're on their volume two right now. So I'm working on that. I'm doing a couple pages for it. It's, it's kind of blown up. They did the first volume, and they got such a great response. They give it to, to schools and, you know, to promote anti-bullying and stuff. That's fantastic, man. That must be a good feeling, eh? Yeah, after, like yeah, after a, some of the school shootings and things like that, they decided to come together and put this project together, you know, as like an awareness, you know. Yeah. That's really good of them, man. That's a fantastic thing to do. You gotta be when you when you're dealing with things like superheroes and good and justice and the battle between good and evil. You gotta be active almost. You know, you gotta actions as well as words, sort of thing, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's and it's uh it's not even it's not all superheroes. It's it's very relatable situations. Like uh, I don't want to give too much away the one I'm working on, but it has to do with uh, like a kid in a uh, like a sport 
and you know the coach is giving him a hard time and his dad's giving him a hard time just pushing him pushing him pushing him you know and then the story kind of turns around and you know the dad and the, the kid come together and everything so happy ending happy you know. endings are good well we did we're 80s kids we grew up on that sort of thing, yeah right it's important to have your happy endings yeah right exactly <laughs> that's awesome uh there's i can't believe the art here man it's blowing me away yeah, there's a lot of great people here. Artists here. And a shit ton of them. Like, insane. Is this your first Motor City? You've been coming here for No, uh, this is my second Motor City. Okay. Yep, so. Last year I had a pretty good turnout. I think this year will hopefully be a little bit better. So. Yeah, uh, I heard they were projecting like 30% more people today. Oh, wow. There's yeah. crazy insane. Yeah, yeah I believe they told, uh, they told us all last year that it was over 40,000 in attendance. Well, of course, they had Stan Lee last year. We got William Shatner this year, which is still high up there on the nerd totem pole. You oh, know? yeah. No, there's, there's some uh, there's some ones being uh, pulled in. There's some cool celebrities here, too. But uh, yeah. anybody here in Iris Alley that you're really stoked that was here that you got to talk to? Or anything? Um, Ken Lashley's a, a, a big influence on my art. He's awesome. Okay, sorry. I have any... Was he here yesterday? Yeah, he showed up late. Oh, okay, because I was looking for him. I couldn't find it, so yeah. you're a big fan, yeah? Yeah. yeah. His, his work is, I say, you could say it's closer to like a Jim Lee style. Absolutely. It's very polished, very, you know, yeah. it's not all over the place. Uh, also, Ryan Stegman, uh, me and him talk a lot, you know, buddies yeah. on social media, stuff like that. Um, Ken Lashley, you know, he's a local boy to me. About yeah, 50 minutes. Any like Toronto? Yeah, he's yeah. a GTA boy. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I first uh, met him two years ago, uh, Wizard World Chicago. Was totally blown away by his stuff. Awesome guy, you know, real down to earth. Big charity guy. Uh, I can't believe, I think it was his, his niece. Very, just generally saying his niece had, has a problem, disease or some kind of thing. And he's heavily involved with the charity. And a lot of his art, what he'll do is he won't even price it. Yeah. Like he'll do these specialized posters for cons, and you think it's just like a con special. But what it is is he's like, just give me anything for this piece, and it yeah. goes to this charity, right? Just fantastic. Did you ever see the uh, Star Wars car? Yes, I have. That's not amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Yep, I watched... There was some video of it online, and then I've, I saw some progression pictures as he was doing it. Yeah, it's awesome. Very, very cool. Last year at uh, Toronto Comic-Con, Tony Moore and a few other guys, they did one together. But it wasn't uh, it wasn't themed. They were just like, draw something. Uh -huh. So I can't remember who started it, but they put kind of like a giant demonic ram's head on the horn. <laughs> so the rest of the artists kind of just followed, you know, suit, yeah. followed suit. So by the end of the time, it's just this demonic skeletal like monster car wow. with just this amazing shit all over it yeah. wow. I love when they do that yeah there's some other uh, big names here Chris Claremont uh, Mark Wade Scotty Young I got to make my coffee well this morning I'm down in the hotel and I'm making myself a cup of coffee and Chris Claremont standing beside me and I cannot help myself yeah of course Mr. Claremont and he's like, yeah. I'm like, this arm, me too, man. And I shook his hand. He goes, ah, oh, shot. <laughs> and then we just had like, you know, a morning back and forth. But right. I didn't want to, you know. Right. Do you like cream and sugar? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it's really cool. With uh, what I'm finding at the, this con is the barriers are very low between being able to talk to people and stuff. Like, yeah. it's, it's real approachable. Yeah. You know, real transparent kind of things. So. You got a lot of nice original stuff here too you're selling, eh? Yeah. Yeah, that's the way to do it, man. I kind of price it as I go, you know. I don't want to break the bank for people. I want them to get be able to get original art if that's what they want. Yeah, you know? it's, it's good, man. Excellent Hellboy as well. Where can people find your stuff in general? Like, do you have a DeviantArt or any of that kind of yes, thing? Yes, I do have a DeviantArt. Yeah, right. Uh, Pushingleaddesign.deviantart.com. Yeah, I've been, uh, I posted the Skeletor up there. I posted the Frank, uh, not Frank Nigella, the Tim Curry Legend. If you're familiar with that movie. The, yeah, you did the, the Lord of Darkness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I posted man. that up there. So I'll probably be keeping up that, uh, keeping up on that a lot more too. 
have a lot of people notice, come by the table. They're yeah. like, that's movie Skeletor. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yep. That's cool, man. I think when I first started it, because I I would just, I started all in pencil, and I was, you could kind of see it and feel like, oh, is that Red Skull? Or, and then I turn it, and then they're like, oh, no, that's, you know, that's yeah, movie Skeletor, nice, you know? Yeah. So here's what I wanted to ask you, because I've seen on uh, Facebook when you've been posting uh, your little pre-drawing guitar riff sessions. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Um, is that, that seems like it'd be a real nice warm-up, actually, before you're going to draw and have a pencil or a pen in your hand for hours. Yeah, just, it kind of like, freeze, yeah, freeze my mind open. I've been playing guitar since I was 14 years old, so I've played in metal bands and things like that, played big, big area places around here. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, they're fun to see, man, when you post yeah, that it's stuff. It's, it's good times. <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of my family, too, lives, uh, lives like south of us so they don't always get to see me or see me play anymore and they, they used to always watch me play so right. i just post like little snippets how far are you from here um about an hour away oh, hour south of here yeah. yeah that's gorgeous yeah so i drive up here every day back and forth oh you work up here or? well i oh, mean, you mean just for the weekend. just for the weekend okay, yeah yeah it took me five hours to get down here from toronto flat Literally, I left at 3.30, and I pulled into the hotel at 8.30. It was, it was a nice, gorgeous area, man. It's really beautiful around here. Yeah. Michigan is pretty, kids. You should definitely <laughs> all come down and check it out. So, uh, so I guess you're, you're solo at your table here. No chance to get away and uh, check out the Drunk on Comics panel this afternoon? Uh, we'll, see, we'll have to see how busy I get. I already see I picked up two commissions already, so... We're up to two. Yeah. Well, actually three. Now that I now that I see it. Yeah. Yeah. Up to three already. So. Okay. Well, while I pull out my wallet to pay you for my incredible commission, why don't you tell the people anywhere you want them to see your stuff, Facebook or whatever? Yeah. You can uh, find me on DeviantArt, pushingleaddesign.deviantart.com, or you can uh, find me on Facebook too, uh, facebook.com/pushingleaddesign. That's Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Nick Francis. Hell of a guy and a hell of an artist. Please go check out his shit, dude. Thanks a lot. Always good to chat, man. So, you've all heard, uh, if you listened to the last episode and a bit of this one, you heard a little bit of Derek and Tony and Matt and Kevin, our good friends over at Drunk on Comics, drunkoncomics.com, uh, who I was there with. And we did a lot of cross-potting we ended up doing. <coughs> Sorry, got a wee tickle in my throat on that one. Um, yeah, oh, lightheaded. What the fuck was I talking about? Oh yeah, drunk on comics. <laughs> drunk on comics. We ended up doing a lot of cross potting. That's why you hear me on their show, kind of asking questions and piping in, and them doing the same on our show. So, uh, but uh, they weren't there for this next particular interview, but they did introduce me to these uh, gentlemen. Uh, this one in particular, Mr. Ryan Lee, who is the artist of a book called The Naturals. And this motherfucker can draw, let me tell you, Captain Details, kids. Captain Details, indeed. Uh, he's like got like Capullo syndrome. He gets deep, deep inside there. It's got that, it's got that raw, sketchy, scratch, crosshatch fucking kind of look to it. And it's real deep and intense and uh, wicked stuff. And uh, I'm going to let him tell you all about it. So here I am talking with Ryan Lee of The Naturals. Please enjoy. Kids, we're here. We're in Artist Alley. We're talking to Ryan Lee. And he's the artist behind a book called The Naturals. Yep. Uh, this book looks beautiful, sir. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Um, your art is just detailed as shit. Uh, I appreciate it. I, I put a lot of love into it for sure. Yeah, so you just been drawing all your life? Or? Yeah, uh, my mom said I started drawing when I was two and I never really stopped. Um, yeah, straight through. That's Always fantastic. drawing. Alright, so how did The Naturals come about? Um, Chris Mewis, this is actually his baby. Uh, he actually had some other artists who started working on it with him. Uh, this was probably about uh, five, no, it was about four years ago when I first met him. We met in Traverse City when I first moved up there. And he was looking for somebody new, and I was showing my portfolio to uh, an artist who was in town. Um, it was an Ethan Van Skyver okay, uh, meet yeah. and greet kind of thing. And I wanted Ethan to look at my stuff, and um, Chris saw my work and uh, 
I just I wanted to work on something cool. And I'm like, let's let's do this. You know, let's get yeah. a comic out. You That's know? awesome. Tell yeah. us about the Naturals. Well, it's kind of an alternate history that takes place in between World War One and World War Two, uh, and the idea is that every country has a a superpower champion, and the United States, um, they have this guy Liberty Larry. He's kind of a he's, he's kind of a the archetype, you know, of like a, a Captain America, but he's kind of a jerk secretly. Um, but anyways, they uh, he's America's. Um, Germany loses the war, uh, largely due to Liberty Larry in the United States, nice. and and all the other and the Allied forces who all have their own. Uh, Germany doesn't have one, so that's part of the big deal. So. There is a, a guy who was a, a child at the time. He ends up in between World War One and World War Two, hunting down the naturals of the world to manifest all their powers to make himself a like super, a supernatural. But yeah. so you know, like a composite natural of all their powers. He finds a way to extract uh, okay, all their powers cool. and become something. But in the United States, uh, well, I can't I can't get into it too much, but basically there's there's this young guy who starts to manifest powers, and um, the story is is kind of about him coming of age and and you know further down the line maybe having to deal with a German supernatural man. So oh, we'll see. <laughs> cool, man. Who's but the yep. Canadian? Is there a Canadian one? There? there is a Canadian one. Chris doesn't have a name for the character yet, but okay. I have to. I'm drawing it in the second issue. So yeah. There is a Canadian what's the style? one. What's the style? What are we going to look forward to? Uh, yeah, uh, a big maple leaf somewhere in there for sure. Of course. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we're going with like strong, uh, oversweeping superhero archetypes on some of these, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. you know, we kind of, Liberty Larry is kind of your generic uh, American awesome. yeah. guy. So. But yeah, um, we'll, cool, see. we'll see how it comes out. <laughs> I got to plug a, another book, actually. It's not similar, but that makes me think of what uh, a friend of mine, Anthony Ruckazer, he's got a new book coming out for Action Labs. Oh, cool. And it's called The First Hero. Awesome. What it is is the world is full of superheroes, okay. but if you're a superhero and you get powers, yeah. you go nuts. You get psychosis oh, and you go evil. I like so it. anyone with superpowers is a supervillain. Right? That's so the world is dealing cool. with this. Then one guy is born who gets powers, but he doesn't go nuts. I like and he it. actually stays a good guy. But because he realizes he, he's getting powers, he starts to worry that he's going to go nuts too. Okay. So, so that, it's his journey going through this. And that creates kind of a psychosis good, in itself. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so a great just premise. Like your book, it's kind of a big world outlook on how to deal with superheroes sort of thing you know i love that kind of stuff that's it's a great, great idea no, so. that's really fun that's awesome I, I love how much room there is in comics for you know there's nothing's completely new there's yeah. so much overlap yeah. but it's amazing just to see like how you execute something that is so close to something else and it seems completely different you know yeah, yeah. it's so fresh and open for new ideas even when it seems like something might have been tread already with the elevator pitch you know yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. dude you're you're your book is easily one of the best ones I've seen this weekend. I know really? This entire thing. Dude, thank you so much. I mean, Everyone, that is a even huge when we're not compliment. at your table, people at, uh, over at Jungle Comics booth won't shut up about your art style, man. Like, oh, I'm, I, that you know, is I'm not trying to totally fully you Phil. No, but, but it's, um, uh, you are, but uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, it's, no, but I really, really appreciate yeah, it. That's yeah. nice to hear, you know. It's just so detailed. How long does it take you to get a page done? I can do a page in a day and a half, but I pencil, <laughs> I pencil and ink it. Okay. Um, I, I, my day job, I'm an illustrator and a graphic designer, so oh, I end cool. up bumping back and forth. There's been times where I've had to just do do it fast, right. like in a day and a half, but, so I end up a lot of times like going back and forth, so it's not necessarily, yeah. you know, it's like four hours here, two okay. hours here. So you but, take commissions and do other stuff on the side? Yeah, I do, and, yeah. and I do like, you know, like logos and branding and stuff like that. I was just about like to that. say, you may need to make a t-shirt for an elegant weapon, because <laughs> it's just, it, it's, blah. So good. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I used to. I worked in advertising for seven years. Okay. And uh, I was an art director, so I did a lot of my own design work. And uh, this has just been your life, then, eh? Like yeah. since birth, there's been no other direction, no anything. Not eh? really. It's... No. I mean, I, uh, I got a job right out of school uh, when I graduated from college. I worked at an illustration design studio. We did a lot of storyboards, which has really that experience has helped me further down the line. I mean it's like that was like fifteen years ago now, but right. that's helped me further down the line with sequential storytelling that's and amazing drawing experience. fast and yeah, just getting yeah. it down. Learn, you getting know? it done, get your style kind of set kind of thing. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, so uh, where can people find the naturals and you guys and whatever else you do? Okay, the naturals is at uh, 
www.thenaturalscomic.com. Uh, Chris and I are really active on Twitter. It's actually done wonders for us, like the, oh, for Twitter's, the Naturals. I'm here because of Twitter and meeting drunk on comics. That's yeah, why I'm here. Well, I've yeah. met so many people. I've got I filled up my commission list at C2E2 and this show. Almost all from Twitter. It's insane. Wow. So, um, but yeah, uh, at Twitter, I'm at Riley Art, R-Y-L-E-E-A-R-T, and Chris is at Musings, which is his last name, oh, with a little twist on it, <laughs> M-E-E-U-W-E-S-I-N-G-S, yeah. I think, yes. Check our Twitter feed, kids. You know we'll be tweeting that crap out, absolutely, definitely. Uh, thanks so much for taking a few minutes. You're gonna come up to Canada. You're gonna do. You're gonna hit Fan Expo. Sure. Where are you at? Are you in Toronto? I'm just outside of Toronto. I'm in Mississauga. Okay. But, nice. Uh, yeah. We'd love, you gotta come up for a con up I, there too. I love man. Toronto. I oh, you've been up Toronto. there then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Work pleasure or what have you been up there for? Uh, pleasure. Yeah. Really pleasure. I have I have relatives who live in Windsor and okay. uh, a good buddy of, my, buddy of mine lives there. But I've gone up to. Toronto a couple times. I love oh, it there. Oh, well, dude, next time you come up, we'll, we'll do it right. And, I love that. I'd uh, love to. awesome, man. Fan Expo's a trip, man. I've I heard it's you. a great show, yeah. It's a, it's, it's a monster unto itself. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. All Excellent. right, kids, that's what you do. Check out The Naturals. Beautiful, beautiful book. Thank Thanks, you. man. Thank you. Cool. Okay, so every time I go out and come back in, it's just another rebic flick. I'm getting thoroughly, thoroughly, advancedly stoned as we go on with these little intro bitty bits, because there's in-betweens, you know what I mean? Your love of the halfling's leaf has clearly slowed your mind. Um, yeah, so that was awesome. This guy was awesome. You have to go read The Naturals. What a really, really, really cool book all around. Great idea, great story. And, uh, yeah, kick-ass illustration by Mr. Ryan Lee. Check that shit out, kids. All right. Wrapping around the universe. We're coming back to, uh, something that's, uh, we're becoming a little bit of a, a niche item for. And that's, uh, what do you call them? Because they're not extras, they're like B-story characters, B-characters, B-list characters. Because they're, I don't want to say anything that takes away from their talent and importance to these shows that we see them in. But recently, when we were at GTA Comic Con, I had the pleasure of chatting with Mr. E. Roger Mitchell of The Walking Dead. And that was really, really super cool. What a great conversation. And we continue that spin with offshoot characters at Motor City Comic Con. Uh, I spoke last episode how... Hold on one sec. How we were lucky enough Thursday night to be drinking around the fire to have had drinks, Johnny Walkers, and cigars lounging around with Mr. Scott Wilson. That's right. First night there, and all of a sudden we're drinking with Herschel himself and had the pleasure of meeting his good friend and former cast mate, uh, Jane McNeil. Super, super wonderful lady. We spent lots of the weekend talking with her and hanging out with her, and she is just a wonderful lovely sweetheart of a person and a good time interview so what did we do uh this was the truest cross pod until next week's interviews that you'll hear so there's a lot of Derek and there's a lot of me on this one you can hear this exact interview as well as different interviews with other artists if you go over to drunkoncomics.com you can get them on iTunes as well but you can hear variations of these interviews and different interviews all together but this is a straight up repeat going on from them and us and it was a beautiful time that Derek and I both got to know Miss Jane McNeil you would know her as Patricia from season 2 uh, she recently appeared, most recently, in the Dallas Buyers Club. Lovely woman, lovely talk. Listen to this shit. Okay, kids, we're here. We're continuing our Drunk on Comics and Elegant Weapon cross-pod sessions at Motor City Comic Con 2014. And we are hanging out with Jane McNeil. Patricia of The Walking Dead. 
thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been a wonderful weekend. You've been having fun? I have. Yeah? yeah. Luckily, I got to know you guys early on. <laughs> we, we tend to bring the party a little bit. Yeah, you do. Yeah, keep, keep it relaxed. Keep I, knew, it I knew what door to knock on. Yeah, <laughs> you did, actually. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it came from our first evening when we got out here, and you and Scott Wilson just hanging out by the fire and such. And that was that was a great, great evening, just hanging out and chilling and talking by the fire. We had a lot of fun, so, you know. You and him are pretty close friends, having worked together. You guys seem to stay pretty tight after the show, yeah? Well, you know, we bonded uh, so immediately um, as Herschel's family, uh, all of us. And so Scott was really a sort of a mentor for me, and I think really for a lot of the other characters as well. A lot of a lot of the a lot of us were young actors. You know, I, I'm not young, but we were not as seasoned, obviously. And uh, and, and Scott was a wealth of information. And support, you know, just as his character is such a rock. I mean, he's just so supportive and loving and caring. And the thing about Scott, too, is he's so genuine. You know, there's just no bullshit to Scott. And he, he is absolutely, has loved this playing the character of Herschel. And this whole resurgence of his career has been amazing for him. And he loves, you know, meeting the fans and stuff, so... Well, he's dominating the con this year. His yeah, he really is. mass... Well, in a way, that's a protest to him being, you know, killed yes. off, in my opinion. I mean, I think people are, like, pissed off about it. And that like, hurt. When that sword went through, everyone felt it. You were like, oh, my God, is he going to... And I hadn't talked to him in a long time, so I didn't know that was happening. And I just started crying, and I got on the phone the next day. I'm like, Scott, are you okay? <laughs> so you watched it live with the rest of us? And yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know anything about that. I mean, I knew some things that were going to happen in season three uh, after I was gone, but I didn't really have any idea that was going to happen. So, I mean, I figured they'd get rid of the governor around that time, but I didn't think they were going to take out Scott. I was like, man. Yeah. The, me being a comic book guy, and I, you know, I've read every issue of The Walking Dead. The thing that I do enjoy about the show is that it does not follow exactly with the comic. They're they're parallel roads that run right next to each other, but they are not the same road. And so there's, it's it's nice because the show keeps you on your toes, makes it so that you don't know what to expect. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, you think you know. Yeah, but you, you know. don't know. It's yeah, it's parallel. They get to the same place, but kind of through different ways, you know. So yeah. it's really neat. You're saying, uh, you know, the whole family dynamic on the farm with you and Scott and everybody. Was there any kind of prep time before they kind of brought the group in? Did you guys spend any private time together, just like you and Otis and everybody, to kind of get that feeling? No. 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 <laughs> they just tossed you right in. I got there the day before, and so did Emily Kenny. She and I were. Well, literally walked on that set at the same time and uh Andrew was on set came over I was standing there like I was completely freaked out I was nervous I didn't know what to do comes over and kisses me and hugs me and welcomes me and I'm like okay this is kind of cool and then uh literally the next day we're on set and scrambling on those front steps to figure out am I Herschel's daughter am I you know, because it was not clear. We didn't. I mean, nobody had given me any previous scripts. And literally, I had been given the scenes that I was auditioning with, and a brief synopsis, and a little tiny character description. And I just winged it. You know, with the audition, I felt like I knew her, but I didn't know any of the storyline. Right. You know, so we were literally putting it together that morning in the farmhouse. I mean, so I don't, and I don't, I think Scott probably had a lot more um, information than I know Maggie did, uh, that Lauren did, but uh, Emily and James and Scott, and, I mean, we were all kind of thrown in there, you know. <laughs> Trial by fire. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's pretty yeah. much, you know, how you got to deal with it sometimes. So you're not, you weren't familiar with The Walking Dead. No. And you get, you know, you get a script, you get a chance to do this, and... When you see the word zombies or whatever, and you realize a zombie show, what's your first thoughts? Is this like, did you realize it was going to be as dramatic a show? Like, not just like people running from zombies, you know what I mean? There's so much more into it. Um, huh. Let me think about that for a second. Just from the little scenes that I had to do, I felt like the writing was pretty good. So I figured that this you know, obviously had to have a bigger 
significance. And um, when I got my first script and read through it, I'm like, oh, you know, this is really about humanity. This is not necessarily about zombies. Not it's not it's not a show about dying. It's a show about living or exactly. trying to. So and um, and it's like Scott said in the um, panel that we had. You know, because the zombies are so well done, because Frank Darabont and Gail Ann Hurd wanted to be the first people to do zombies, you know, on TV, and we knew that was, you know, the vampire thing is kind of dying out, and the witch thing is dying out, and the next thing is going to be zombies. They wanted to make sure they were the first, so they really pushed hard to do that. And they were going to set a precedent that nobody else could touch. So they got Greg Nicotero and his KB group to do. Genius. Yeah, I mean he's he is an absolute genius and a wonderful person as well. And those guys, I mean Andy uh, Schoenberg and and all of his guys are, are just wonderful. Kevin Wasser. Um, and so it's like Scott said. I mean, if the zombies had looked stupid, it would have made everything else ridiculous. But because there was so much integrity in every level of it. And the production quality was so great at the bar set by Frank Darabont. You know, we were set up for success. Yeah. So you couldn't help but give everything you had to it and make sure that your part of it was going to measure up to the to the level that everybody else is bringing to it. Well, and I think for the comic book fan, you know, when the you know obviously there's excitement when you hear that this is being made into a show, but yeah, there's definitely that little bit of nervousness. It's like, you know, because fanboys definitely they they love their books. Yeah. And if and if you screw them up, they are one of the most vocal groups you'll ever find. Right. And I think that's why the show has, has been such a success because the quality of the acting to the you know the production and everything it's it's on par. Like I don't, you can't sit there and go, you know, they really should have tried and done this a little bit better. There's not that there's anything in there that you can say they could have done that better. It's just it's there. You know? No, I mean you might you might you know toss around some other options about how things going to play out, but you can't you can't argue with the quality. No, no, no. no. I know around your time on the show, it wasn't a time of mass herds like we're seeing now and kind of in the beginning of zombies. It was more you know individual situations like the well scene. Yeah. When they. He is still the grossest. That is the grossest. Were you, you were around for when that was all shot? And yeah, well, I went into the makeup like, trailer that morning and I saw the picture of the well walker in front of my makeup scene. I'm like, God knows, oh my God. You know, and then that <laughs> afternoon was the day they shot that. So I wasn't in the scene, but I went and watched it. And honestly, irony was, I mean, he was throwing up. It grossed him out so much. He was about to throw He threw up at one point. Wow. It just freaked him out so bad. And it was. It was nauseating. You know, I can't imagine how they got through that Guts episode in season one. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, my No, 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 no. In season one, Guts, no. when they put the entrails on them. They're rubbing it on themselves so the, oh, yeah, the walkers to, don't to smell it. The, the smell and everything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that makes me sick thinking about it. It's There's some hardcore stuff. Like, for a television show, but, you know, pro, it's got its proper time slot and all that stuff. But they're pushing it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. At times, they're pushing it. And you're just like, it's gut-wrenching. Yeah. Like, when you went out, was because stuff starts going crazy. Yeah. And all of a sudden, there's madness. And people, are, like, as, as you're watching, you're like, okay, stuff's about to go down. And then you went out like that, and it's, holy shit. And yeah. what was that like to film? Like, I guess there's a lot of technical stuff involved there. Uh, well, you know, I found out the episode before that I wasn't going to make it past the end of season right. two, which I expected, but I didn't want to hear. I mean, yeah. you're always hoping that one little shred of hope they changed their mind, because it did happen. It happened to Scott. They were going to take Scott out, and they kept him. Uh, and he said today, you know, the turnaround for him was, was Herschel's bar scene. And that's when they came back to him and said, we're really th- rethinking this now. So, um, you know, and I, my joke to Scott was too bad you know, Patricia wasn't mixing some drinks that day at the bar. <laughs> Should have been the damn bartender instead of the nurse. But, um, you know, uh, I guess I felt like I was going to, you know, if you're going to kill me off. And, I mean, I understand. I wasn't mad. I wasn't mad. I was sad. But I'm like, I'm going to make this the best, you know, I can yeah. possibly do. So it was the first time that I had ever seen that many zombies. And it was really the first time the zombies ever scared me. Because opening that door and seeing them all out, was really freaky. I mean, it was terrifying, and it was freezing cold, and, you know, I would listen on my iPod. I was listening to uh, 
the Hendrix version of All Along the Watchtower. And, you know, oh, that was... That yeah, like yeah. I was li- and I would listen to Dylan's, like, In My Time of Dying and all this shit. And I was like, ah, I'm so depressed. I gotta go die. Um, so, you know, we do the scene where we're running out and it's all rapid fire and all the stuff that's happening. And we shot it in two segments. One is just me running out and actually them clotheslining me, taking me down. I think we did three takes of it. And um, uh, we used zombies that, you know, Greg had handpicked, guys that he'd worked with a lot who'd done the more technical scenes. And they were sweethearts, you know. They were like, did we hurt you? And I'm like, no, I'm fine. Um, I felt bad for them. I was like putting my jacket on them. How do you do a decapitation? Like, well, it was it was a bite in the jugular. Okay. So anyway, we did that part, and then the next night in second unit, they uh, sent me to makeup, and they uh, did the prosthetic, giving me this fat, fat neck, which I really didn't like. Cause I'm like so vain, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, my neck looks so fat. Um, and they they wired it up around my back for the tube to come out, so that the bite was here, and then the tube was there and as soon as the guy bit it they were squirting the blood tank so it was just you know like that and I remember getting up there and Gail Ann was watching and you know Andrew Lincoln and whoever wasn't working on first unit we usually try to watch each other's death scenes so we had Scott and Andrew and um, uh, Emily and James and Lori and some of them out there watching and and I said, so how many takes do I get? And Greg Nicotero's like, one. That was that was my next question, was can you do that over? Yeah. And I didn't want to. They didn't have enough time. Yeah. You yeah. know, it was 45 minutes to an hour to get me in that makeup. And then I'm um, like, well, let's do it, you know. So luckily we got that bite in one take. And then, hey, I'm doing good. He let me do a, um, an outtake of it where he just sort of patched a little bit so I could look in the camera after he bit me and go, bite me. Like that. <laughs> but it never ended up on any of the outtakes, which I was kind of sad about. But I'm like, I got to get my outtake here. So uh. Your moment in that scene was such pure panic. Like, everybody was scrambling and running, but you above all were just like, like... And the way you're saying that was the first time they freaked you out. You must have been there, eh? Like, well, I mean, you know, it was the first time I ever had to die in anything, and I didn't really have a lot of film and TV experience. I never had a play where I had to die. Well, actually, that's not true. I think I did some Greek drama in college where I died, but you know, so it was a different thing, and and I knew that um, I wanted to nail it, and. Uh, Honestly, I had had cancer, so when I thought about the zombies, I thought about cancer coming back. That was part of what I, I, that was part of the terror that I put inside myself. And so that was, it wasn't just zombies, it was that too. That was another level I added to it, so, which is, uh, is frightening. What's the come down like that? You know, after you're done the scene, the day's over. Like, okay, we all know about the famous death dinners. Yeah. I never actually got a death dinner uh, because uh, James and I. What happened was we were scrambling in that episode so hard to do stuff, and they um, they what they decided to do because we filmed all night that last night that we were there. The night that I did the bite, the actual bite thing was the last night, I think. And we were there from two in the afternoon till ten or eleven in the morning. It might have been longer than that. I can't remember. I just it was a scene where we're all kind of inside the farmhouse still earlier in the episode, and we're trying to figure out where Carl is. And I'm like, he's in the barn, and you know, we're all like figuring that that was the actual last scene that we filmed. So um, everybody is literally about to fall asleep. Like Melissa McBride was like, I'm gonna pass out, you know. And we finally just, you know, wrapped it up, and we went to this little roadhouse bar down the road that made breakfast for us. So that was kind of my death dinner. Um, that was the, it was a very, very end. You know, that morning we wrapped at 11 o'clock. You know, everybody's bawling their eyes out. Like everybody, I mean, I'm crying thinking about it. Um, <laughs> but you, we were all crying because it was the end for some of us, and you know, we get at the, the end of the season too. Yeah, yeah, and so we go up the road to this place and. 
I don't know, within a couple of hours, we're doing tequila shots, and it's noon, and we had not slept, you know? <laughs> you must have slept for days, oh, like, the day after. Well, once I got home, I went back to the hotel that day and slept, and then I drove back home the next day, and then I'm back in my world with my kids and all that, so... Well, I have to say, when I, that first episode that I went down there, I was down there for three days... I had been in New York, I flight got canceled, I ended up having to rent a car to get to Georgia. You know, all of a sudden I'm in the zombie apocalypse, I'm in The Walking Dead, and I come home for 4th of July, and all of a sudden I'm back in my real world with my family, all my family, because it was 4th of July weekend, and we were at my dad's, and, you know, we have a party with like 300 people. So all of a sudden I'm back in that world, and that was the biggest culture shock I have ever felt in my life. <laughs> Like, that was the most... I mean, literally, I was like, where am I? Like, All the weird stuff that must be in your head when you look at your kids and you think about what you've just been through and then you maybe start imagining weird stuff. And it, well, be it was just really weird that first... After those first few days because I had finally gotten a huge... You know, I'd finally gotten a part. I mean, all these... I had quit acting for 15 years and I... After I had breast cancer, I started, I started taking classes for like a year and then I... I got like one movie, this little Barry Levinson movie called The Bay, and it was another year before The Walking Dead happened, and I didn't know if it would ever happen, quite frankly. So all of a sudden it happens, and it happens like bam, and then I go home for a few days, and I'm like, home, these are my children, this is my family, this is my house, you know, it was really weird. So, And then after the last episode, you know, decompressing from all of that from the end of the season and, and having to digest the fact that it was over. I mean, it was really, really depressing. But after a couple of weeks, you know, all of a sudden I was ready to go back to see my friends in Georgia and it wasn't going to happen again. So I think there's a real ugh feeling for a few months after that, especially till you get another job. And I'm, I'm going to ask one thing before, uh, before we do wrap up. We at Drunk on Comics, we have one question that we like to ask a lot of people, and this is the perfect question for you. Do you have a zombie plan? And if so, what is it? Uh, okay. If you, without too many details, because obviously you don't want everybody going there. Right, you know. right. Well, uh, you know, um, my best line of self-defense throughout my life has been that I just pull a crazy on somebody. You know, um, I, I got followed one time when I lived in Chicago. This guy came in my house, and I just went ballistic on him. I just started screaming at him. And, I mean, he freaked out and ran out the back door. I mean, I didn't leave it at that. I chased him down the street. <laughs> I was screaming the most obscene things, and I didn't even know what was coming out of my mouth. I was like, I went banshee on him, you know. I went completely batshit. And so... I've thought about, you know, nobody's really ever tried that, uh, you know, with zombies. I mean, nobody ever really goes, you know, <laughs> yeah, Apparently it works with bears. Maybe it works with zombies. It works with intruders. Yeah. Um, so I thought, you know, I might try that first. And then uh, and then if, if there's a specific zombie attack, I think, you know, there's a certain amount of ducking and hustling that you can do to get out of there. And then, uh, and then from there, I think I would... I think I'd go to the water. You know, I'd head to the ocean would be my solution. And I, yeah. I think that's... But a lot of them talked about that. I'd be headed to a coast. Yeah. Maybe that's just because I'm from the coast and I feel safe uh, find there. find an island, do but, something. Yeah, I would head to the coast. That would be my first thing. I mean, if you could get there, so... So, uh... Yeah, absolutely. Um... I think we got to wrap it up here. Yep. We're, we're, we've been holding up the line here for a while. Well, uh, just quickly, uh, things that have been happening lately, Dallas Buyers Club, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you got to appear in that. Um, that was a good time, you were telling us earlier. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, we won't go into it, but people, please uh, check out Jane in the Dallas Buyers Club as well. Um, and in Prisoners, is that on DVD now, too? Okay, cool, cool. Anything else coming up? That you can uh, talk about at least? Yeah, that you can spill. Yeah, actually, I'm in an episode of Rectify. It's a Sundance Channel show. It's coming up. It'll uh, it, The season two premieres in mid-June, and I'm in the second episode of that. Cool. And, uh, and then I got this movie called Where the Devil Hides that was filmed literally like two and a half years ago that's supposed to come out soon. I don't really know. Amish slasher movie should be really interesting. <laughs> um, me and it's Russell, um, Rufus Sewell, uh, Colm Meany, uh, oh, cool. and Jennifer Carpenter, and uh, it's a pretty good cast. We'll see what happens with that. And then at some point within the end of the year, maybe Mississippi Grind with Ryan Reynolds. Very Fantastic. Good. 
Jane, thank you so much. Um, thank you guys. It. it was really fun getting to know you guys. I hope yeah. I see you at some more of the shows well, and yeah. stuff. Absolutely. Come yeah. up to Canada. Fan Expo, I'm sure, would love to have you. Um, you know, we'd love to see you up north. Uh, I know you'd be greatly received. So, you know, but this has been great. Yeah. Best of luck to you. And uh, oh, you. Where, where can people find you? Yeah. They, uh, are you on Twitter? And stuff I'm on like Twitter. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have a... I have a Twitter and an Instagram, and I'm on IMDb if you look up Jane McNeil. So. Awesome. Thanks again. Thank you. There you go. Wasn't she a lovely woman? Just a lovely woman. You know, got that whole North Carolina thing going on. So it was good times. Jane, wonderful to meet you. I hope we get to hang out again. I know I told you like I tell them all. Come up to Fan Expo. Come up to the con of the North and hang out and have a good time. And uh, we'll do it all again. And uh, yeah, so that's that's all the interviewage that you're going to get to hearage this week. Um, more stuff coming. In a couple of days, uh, part three will be just spectacular. Part three is going to contain interviews with the one and only Bob Camp. Holy shit, Ren and Stimpy, Tiny Tunes, whole bunch of nonsense. Also, Mr. William Zabka. That's right, bitches. Sweep the leg, Johnny. Sweep the fucking leg. And also, I got something real special. For all you kids, you think they get drunk on comics on their weekly podcast review show, Drunk on Comics. You ain't heard Derek and Tony till they get drunk after hours at Motor City Comic Con with an elegant weapon. Because you know how that kind of freeform madness flows. I can't wait to share it all with you because it's hilarious good times. Congratulations, Kevin of Drunk on Comics. You got married, motherfucker. And that is spectacular. Mad congratulations to him. Congratulations to Wayward Raven. Aaron, can you think of any other congratulations that are due? My dad bought a motorcycle. Congratulations, Bart. That's a good job. (laughs) And my parents bought a house. They're moving an hour away from us. They're abandoning us for the country retirement, riding motorcycles around lifestyle. But that's great. They've worked hard and they deserve it. So congratulations to my parents. Uh, Check out lots of new things. I also wrote up a review of my experiences at Motor City Comic Con on the Points of Interest Podcast Network. You can find that at pointsofinterestpodcast.com. And I believe it didn't happen yet uh, last episode. I can finally say it. This episode is, is it is official. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find us through an elegant weapon dot c a www dot an elegant weapon dot c a all thanks to podbean for all their support and hostage over the past couple of years but uh, we had to clean that shit up and make it streamlined so an elegant weapon dot c a you wonder why not com why not dot com because the dot com began some other guy got that sting but you know what it's appropriate that we're in elegantweapon.ca because if you don't know, you'll know now when I tell you that the CA stands for Canada, beaches. That is all we have this week. Make sure you come back next week, probably Wednesday, thursday should for part three of Motor City Comic Con 2014. One love. Take it easy. Muscle Beach, half an hour. I will see you there or I will see you on another time.